1: Welcome to The Future of Influence. I'm your host, Sandy Fowler, and today I'm chatting with Doug C. Brown. Doug is the CEO at Business Success Factors and can be found online at businesssuccessfactors.com. Doug, welcome to The Future of Influence.
2: Sandy, thank you for having me here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about our conversation. I'd like you first, though, to tell us a little bit about business success factors. What are you doing there? Who are you helping? How are you helping them?
2: So, what we do at the company is we we advise, train, consult um, companies primarily, uh, and companies can be very large companies, or they can even be you know smaller or even solo companies on how to increase their sales revenue growth uh, and how to optimize that process. So essentially how to make more money, but work a little easier or a lot easier, depending on what they're doing.
1: So when you're working with a client, what do you find to be the most common things that you help them do to turn around, maybe not turn around their sales, but to increase their sales? And in that case, you'd be increasing their influence, right?
2: Oh, without question. I mean, you know, the more that we improve their bottom line or improve their processes, then they're firstly, they're happier and they're making more money so they can go out and impact the world a little more or a lot more in some cases. Um, and you know, cause I've worked with, uh, large companies like Intuit and, and things like that. In fact, the, the, the rocket mortgage was the, the division that I was working on before it was rocket mortgage. And the idea came up while I was there. So it was kind of, you know, that's influenced a lot of people. Um, but what I find is look, all companies, no matter what size they are, you be a solo entrepreneur, or you can be a you know $30 billion corporation or $150 billion corporation, they all have blind spots in some capacity. And so what I really do is you know, if I had to bring it down to a title, you know, I'm really more of a blind spot investigator. And then we we, you know, snuff we get those and we either optimize them. Uh, improve upon what they have, so to speak, or we find they're missing, or we find they have something um, that they have thought about, but they haven't implemented, right? So we find these blind spots. And then once we find the blind spots, we create a plan together on how to go after the revenue. And then we prioritize you know, what should be first, what should be second, third, fourth, and so on.
1: So when you're looking for these blind spots... Are there, is there commonality to what you see? Are are there some areas where you're like, almost every business has an issue in this area. So if you're listening and you have a business or you're responsible for a business, go check this.
2: Yeah, it follows in, uh, everything sort of follow, uh, will, will fall into between 10 and 15 categories on average, right? So what I found is though, that most companies have, all we have to do is, Tweak three to six of these things, and their revenues go significantly go up. So, um but they all they all kind of fall into basic categories. Uh, you know, in the case of say Intuit, which we would think Intuit being a you know powerful company, um, on this particular division that I worked on, their messaging was off. So their external messaging was off. You know, to their clients, and we fixed that, and they went from a. $10 million loss to a $7 million gain in one year in that division. So a $17 million swing. Uh, I've had, uh, geez, I've worked with solo, you know, I had a solo sales. Uh, he worked uh, as an independent sales representative for a company. He was making $140,000 a year and he went from $140,000 a year to $2.1 million in that year in commissions. Um and he had a couple, just two or three blind spots, right, in the business. So if we think about blind spots in the way of, you know, I, I we both live in cooler or colder climates. So I was up at the mountains uh, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, all the ice is sort of starting to break free out of the, out of the streams and rivers that are coming down. And so as I was watching the ice, I was like watching the ice teeter back and forth, you know, with the with the water passing by it. And then all of a sudden, boom, it breaks free and a lot more water is able to f- flow in that direction at that point. And then eventually that takes out other ice chunks and other ice chunks. And that's kind of what happens here. Um, so once we find the blind spot, we remove the ice dam, if you will, uh, and, you know, far more water, which was just sitting there. It's all untapped revenue. Most of the time, it's 100% just sitting there. And you know, clients just don't realize it.
1: So when it comes to your own business, how do you go about finding your own blind spots?
2: I have other people look at them <laughs> because you know, we can all we all have a different view from inside the vehicle versus outside the vehicle. Um, if If you've ever had this experience, this is where I learned it was, I was driving along talking to a friend of mine. We're having a great time and somebody pulls up beside us and they start waving and pointing at the car. And I'm like, okay. So we roll down the window and they go, you got a flat tire going to happen on your back of your car, you know? And I'm like, what? So I pull over and sure as heck, the tire's down like, you know, 50%. So i found a service station it had a nail in it and we plugged the nail hole and you know we were on our way again but if i had left that blind spot the way it was i would have been sitting on the side of the highway having to change a tire or you know even worse right i mean so that everybody has blind spots i you know i don't care what company it is i've always seen a blind spot including my own Um, So I have outside influences take a look and that's, that's the initial part of what I do for companies. And then from there, we build the plan.
1: So when going back to your own company, you were new, you were starting out, you built this company,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you, uh, during that process, what would you say was your top challenge along that process?
2: Well, you know, when you start out a company, you do everything. So one of my blind spots was not saying no, or, you know, failing to say no, right? Because somebody would come and I'm, I have such high empathy. I'm like, oh, I can fix that with this person. But even though I could fix it, I wasn't qualifying the right way. And so I would take on work that would then, you know, I think, well, this was going to take me seven hours a week, and now it's taking me 21 hours a week, right? That type of thing. So, you know, my my blind spot in that case was not qualifying, even though I knew it to do so. I teach clients to do this, but you know, we we all falter at times <laughs> in our own judgment, and that's what happened in the beginning of this. Then once that got settled, and you know, uh, revenue started coming up rapidly, um, backfilling. Uh, one of the blind spots we had too is we we hadn't prepared ahead long enough to look and say, you know, okay, we're building the business today the way we want to build it, but where do we want to be in a year or three years from now? And how do we prepare for that? And that was a blind spot. And I think a lot of people with the COVID thing right now have been caught in that blind spot. You know, mm-hmm. certainly uh, m- many, many businesses are just like, well, what do I do? Right. Uh, restaurants, for example, they were totally caught in that blind spot where they had all kinds of business coming in. All of a sudden that stops. so now they have to go out and get the business. Um, and so they had to take some time to recover. So there, there's different things that happen along the way, but that those are the two that happened to me, uh, early on, anyways.
1: So, how do you see yourself utilizing those lessons for your clients? How do you use those to help them grow their business and their influence?
2: Yeah, I mean, I joke with the clients a lot, um, to make them laugh, and you know, I'll always say to them, listen. Between myself and business partners and partnerships, you know, I've done 35 of them in, in, in my life, you know, we've made tens of millions of dollars literally in mistakes over time, right? So, look at it this way. I I paid the bill so you don't have to, right? All, you, all we have to do is just apply the principles that work universally and then fit them uniquely into each individual business and they will grow. Um, And if they can't grow, I'll figure that out right up front. And then we have that discussion because sometimes companies are stuck for systems or processes uh, or even innovation, but sometimes they're stuck because of people. They have people in certain positions that they don't know how to get rid of them. I had a family business, for example, and they had a a sister who was collecting $150,000 a year on salary. Would show up at ten o'clock in the morning, would leave by one o'clock in the afternoon, and she was the chief financial officer. <laughs> so that was something we had to address. But you know, she was part owner of the company, so sometimes you know people can be the the, the case, and anybody who's had you know sales teams or or uh, employees can usually relate to having people challenges. So how do how do you resolve those amicably? and make it fair for, and a win-win for all people.
1: Well, and that's interesting because we're talking about influence. And what I heard in that example is she's not only a roadblock, she's influencing the culture at the company.
2: Uh, To the, to the point where there were people who were going to be uh, defecting, they were going to be leaving the company. So their top salespeople were just had had it because they were like, I can't, you know, are my commissions right? Are my commissions not right? Right. And, And she would come in because she felt entitled, because the business was doing really well. Um, You know, she'd come in and just leave. And then, you know, she'd be like, well, everybody will, you know, have to wait. And that's not how it it works. So, yeah, you can have influence that's of a negative play. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we can go to the extreme and say, hey, remember World War II, there was some negative influence going on in a big way there, um, which spread across millions and millions and millions of people and their values and beliefs that happens in a company too usually sandy what i find usually is if there's a challenge like that in the company usually it comes from the leadership down it comes from the top down uh, where they've just kind of turned a blind eye to it or you know they just have other priorities or whatever uh, or they just literally don't want to deal with the challenge they don't want to deal with the the you know ensuing you know conflict that's going to come about potential anyways
1: Yes, so, and you mentioned the blind spots earlier, and certainly in that situation, family is always a blind spot, right? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, and 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 we and like you said, we have a, already have influence from the family because we think, you know, my brother's this, or my uncle's this, or my aunt, or my grandmother, or whoever, you know, we know them as people, so we're not able to emotionally. Most of us are not able to emotionally separate the two. Okay, there is a there's a business challenge. There's also a, a personal challenge and we can't really separate them we can we can divide them but you know people have feelings and people have emotions and they you know usually it's a lack of discussion or con- uh, conversation and one person has unmet expectations and they feel well i've been wronged so therefore i'll dig in and then, you know, the challenge happens because they dig in. And then the other side saying, instead of saying, well, okay, what in the world would make this person dig in like this? They go, hey, we're not going to dig in. We're doing it this way. And then just, it's a metaphorical arm lock at that point.
1: Yeah. Well, so Doug, you've spent years growing your company, growing your influence. How are you using that influence these
2: days? Well, I think I'm impacting, you know, uh, and I have been literally tens of thousands of people who desire to make more money. Uh, and I've used the influence to be able to get in front of, you know, crowds and people that I could never have influenced without having that particular influence, you know. Um, so, for example, you know I was the president of training and, and sales for Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes and other people in the training industry. Well, <clears throat> you know, big companies. And I help them make tens of millions of dollars additional. And the and the reality is that people who are in that industry know. So sometimes they'll invite me to come, and uh, you know, talk with their people. They know I have this conversational sales style that can be adapted to anyone. So you know, they they they're having a little challenge or a lot of challenge, and you know, they're able to ask me to come in and. Most of the time it's, you know, resolved very quickly. And, and the, so I've been able to influence people in the, in the training space. I've also been able to influence my, uh, my two daughters and a big way, you know, we, we, when they were little, I set a goal out with them and I said, look, you know, by the time you get out of college, if that's what you want to do, let's create a plan. So you'll have a hundred thousand dollars each in the bank account and you'll get out of college debt free. So, they're on target. They're, they're pretty close right now. So, you know, from a father's point of view, it's like, okay, well, my daughters, no matter if something happens to me or whatever, you know, they've got a good foundation. They think, they think entrepreneurial, they think leverage because they've been around it. So because I've been able to influence other people, I've also been able to bring them with me throughout the process, you know, and they've, they've been at, you know, live events with very, famous or semi-famous or, you know, big companies or whatever. So they've been able to talk with people who are making lots of money. And these people are like, well, you're seven years old. Let me tell you what I did. Right. So they are getting all that information and in turn, they'll pass it along to other people. I already see them doing it.
1: That's great. So Doug, as you look forward into the future, what are your plans to grow your influence?
2: (laughs) Well, I'm doing a lot more now uh, on PR than I've ever done in the past. Um, and it's working pretty well. I, you know, I mean, for many, many years, I mean, we've, we've been a direct response or direct selling process, right? So we go outbound, we want a response. And I looked at branding as, okay, I get it. You know, one of my clients was Jay Conrad Levinson of uh, Gorilla Marketing when he was alive. And he, you know, he would talk tell, talk to me about marketing a lot. And I'm like, okay, so this takes You know, there's different types of marketing. There's the direct response, which is what I'm doing most of the time. Um, But then there's the other side, which is the branding side of the business. And I hadn't paid too much attention to that because to me, that was a long-term play. But then all of a sudden, um, I wrote a book called Win-Win Selling, Unlocking the Power of Profitability by Resolving Objections. And it went to a bestseller in four different countries pretty quickly. And so people were like, Doug, do some PR around this. So I'm like, okay. So I did. And all of a sudden, you know, I got into Inc. Magazine. I've been in Forbes three or four times. Uh, American Express just picked me up just recently. Been in a lot of blogs uh, and doing a lot of podcasts like this. So I find now the PR is the big play for me long-term because it's a, a positioning tool that I used a little bit, but I didn't use like I am today.
1: And have you thought about how you might leverage that influence? You're growing more. And what might you do with that?
2: So the more and more that I get relationships, uh, and I've got a a bunch of them now, um, I have people who are coming to me and we're talking. And then I find out, hey, you may need to be featured here or featured there, or you might need this type of story or whatever. So what I'm doing is I'm connecting people together. Uh, I'm not asking for anything. I'm just like, okay, Hey, you want to be on seven podcasts? Give me a, you know, let's, I'll introduce you. Uh, you want to be on, you know, you want to get into Forbes. I'll introduce you to the people who are at Forbes that I know. Right. And so what I'm finding is that that in itself is proliferating and I'm getting people featured. I've had, I mean, I don't know, probably 120 Featured in uh, Thrive Global, the you know Ariana Ari- Ari- Huffington, you know, in um, different places like that. So, what ends up happening is I'm influencing because of what I've done. I'm able to influence them. They in turn are now able to go out and serve more clients. They're able to, you know, they're taking their articles and or their or their you know publication of whatever, and they're posting it on LinkedIn and they're having discussions. So it's just kind of proliferating out all over the place. And it's very gratifying. Um, you know, it's it's not something I did for money. It was more I was just looking to create my own brand. But it's been able to, in turn, influence others to do the same.
1: And it's interesting as you talk about that because you're at this point where, as you said, you're connecting people. You're helping them grow, grow their influence. And even though you're doing that from a place of pure giving that in turn is also growing your influence, which gives you even more opportunity to connect others. So it's this this beautiful circle of expansion.
2: Yeah, well, you know, hanging around with Tony Robbins for seven years, some of this rubs off, right? (laughs) It kind of sets in. And I remember Tony always talking about, you know, if you really wanna grow, serve other people. And, you know, I've read all the books that most people would recommend, like Think and Grow Rich and all those books. but the reality is that making money is not hard. If we just do something to serve other people in which they see a value exchange for it, you know, it's a positive win-win thing. And so I agree with you. It's, you know, it started, started out pure and, and innocent, still is pure and innocent. And, and, but it's, it's gone on because I'm helping people. We, as human beings, when somebody helps us, we want to help them. That's usually what happens. So Uh, I've had reciprocation, you know, from many, many people. I mean, in fact, that's how you and I are on this call today. It was through a reciprocation. So, um, it works out really well. And if people are in business and, and they, you know, they feel kind of stuck and they want to grow, just go out and help some people. You know, it doesn't matter. You can do small things. You can be a community event. You can, you know, go help, you know, a single mother, right. Who has three children and help her pay the rent for the next six months or something like that. You just make a big impact in people's lives when you do things like that.
1: Well, Doug, where can we find you online?
2: So my LinkedIn profile is Doug Brown, one, two, three, four. Uh, you can go to business successfactors.com. I have a marketing and check uh, sales check it list that a lot of people like. Um, so that's at business successfactors.com forward slash checklist. And they can download that and kind of run a self-assessment on where they are in marketing and sales. Um, and Or if people want to send me an email, just send it directly at Doug at successfactors.com.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking time to join us today to share some of your story and insights and to alert us to having blind spots and also offering up the checklist. The, very much appreciated, Doug.
2: You are so welcome. Thank you, Sandy, for having me on. I really appreciate the interview and the way you, uh, you're you able to, you have this insight about you. So I'm very grateful that we've had this opportunity to speak.
0: Thanks for listening to the Future of Influence podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story by being a guest on our show, please visit https colon slash slash kingrajsingh.com slash podcast apply to apply and if you liked what you heard please also visit and follow us on all social media please subscribe to our show on apple podcast google podcast spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast once again they call me king raj singh and thanks again for listening to the future of influence podcast tune in next time